Perspectives is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women who are leading busy and successful lives. And my hope with Perspectives is that you listen to incredible women who have figured out their own version of balance and creating the life that feels right to them and that it will inspire you and that we have some fun along the way. So this will definitely be the case with my guest today, Lindsay Stein, who is the editor of Campaign US. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for stopping by. You're very busy, I know. <laughs> so let's start a little bit by talking about why you're so busy and what you do at Campaign US. Sure. So I am the US editor of the publication. Uh, Campaign is the world's largest trade publication for advertising and marketing with a special heart for creativity. We have seven offices around the world. Our headquarters is in London. Um, but despite the fact that we have this global footprint and we have 50 years under our belt, 50 years her of heritage, uh, we haven't quite cracked the U.S. market. So I joined 10 months ago to help grow us here and to make us the go-to publication for everything advertising and marketing. Well, you really have had such a quick career trajectory because you were at an ad age for a while and then you got this big role and you did amazing things at ad age which we'll talk about later and now you, I, I mean you seem to be cracking cracking the US market you're young to have had such a quick trajectory what do you think and I know you're also very modest knowing you well but what do you think from just looking at your career so far that has been the key to you being able to to move so quickly um, well, thank you for all that. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I think it's probably following my gut uh, and never being too afraid of things that come my way. I, Whenever there's been some sort of challenge or a new risk or a new position, of course I'm scared because change is scary, yeah. but I've never let that stop me. I've never let that fear stop me. Um, and I think a big part of that also is I've been really fortunate to have incredible people in my life, family members, friends, and mentors who have given me that little extra push whenever I've needed it, if I've ever had those doubts. That's, that's a great um, point. It's important to have people around you that are supportive of you. And, and so one of the things talking about your career that you have witnessed, and in a lot of cases been a part of, is the conversations and the movements that have been happening around women in the workplace and especially in the ad industry in the last year or so. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you've seen? Yeah, I mean, the thing that probably stands out the most to me is how many women of all levels over the past year or couple of years have come to me off the record to discuss their experiences with sexual harassment. Uh, and the NDAs that they've even signed around sexual harassment or gender discrimination, it's pretty shocking how real all of that is. Um, advertising in many ways is still a boys club and there are changes being made uh, and there are some, like companies are doing positive things mm. to move in the right direction, but it's still a pretty industry-wide systemic problem. Um, and I also think, and this is something all women deal with, but microaggressions are really real. There's little things that happen on a weekly or daily basis. I'm sure you deal with them too. Um, I had a creative director, a female creative director come to me recently and tell me she was going to meet her clients for the first time and she was really excited. She was going to meet them for a breakfast meeting and she walks in and it's all male 
uh, executives around the table. And when she goes in, they go, oh, excuse me, could you grab coffee for us before the meeting? And she goes, um, no, we can get an assistant to do that. And by the way, I'm the creative director on your account. And the men were a little bit like, oh, oh, no. What did they mean? know who she was or no, they didn't? They no, they didn't know who she was. So I, they, she assumed that they assumed she was going to be a male creative director. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that happens all the time. I mean, even in my role, um, my associate editor is a man, Oliver McAteer, and we will go out to a meeting, and if I haven't met the people before, men or women, um, we could be going out for a coffee or a drink, and if they don't know I'm the editor and he's the associate editor, they will look at him for the answer a lot. They'll be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, like, like what, what? And then they look at me, they'll like kind of glance over me, and he's noticed it too, and there have been many times where he will jump in and say, just so you know, Lindsay's the boss here, and... Uh, and then they're kind of like, oh, okay. So it's not just a man thing. Microaggressions are little acts that can be performed by men and women. But on a positive note, uh, I do think there are some things we should celebrate. Campaign had our Female Frontier Awards um, last month, and mm-hmm. we honored some of the most amazing women in the industry of all levels. And that event was incredible to see. It was so inspiring. And men and women from all over the world flew in to celebrate that. And seeing that men and women together it was just incredible. It was an incredible night. Yes, it was, it was an incredible night, and we had a few clients <laughs> yeah. there, too. But I want to just talk about microaggression. First of all, I never heard that word. Oh, yeah. That's a that's an interesting <laughs> word. But I didn't it make it up. <laughs> you did not make it up. No. But so can I ask you then, if, if you don't mind, yeah. when that happens, when you're out with Ollie and um, somebody seems to be deferring to him more, if he doesn't say anything, do you? Yeah, no, I definitely have. But it is one of those things, too, where women are, you toe the line of, are you going to come off like a bitch or something? But there have been times where I've gone, just so you know, I'm the editor or as the editor, just to like toss it in, the, in there, you know. Um, but it is it is tricky. You don't want to come off like you're being insecure either. But I have said, I have made it clear, I'm the boss here. Well, sort of along the same vein, and I've asked this question to different women before, and, and I mentioned to you that I was going to ask this to you because it's, it's kind of a weird question, but I really don't think it is. You know, you're, you're very attractive. Thank you. And oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and you're young. And you have this big job. Do you think that people look at you, approach you, or treat you differently because of that? And has it been a hindrance to you? It's actually a really good question. Uh, On the age side, we'll touch on that first. On the age side, I'm 31. And there are, I would say there are a good amount of times that I will be in a meeting with a man or woman who are maybe 20 years or more older than I am. And they definitely, if they don't know me and they don't know how long I've been covering this industry, they'll Mm -hmm. look at me like, you don't know what you're talking about. But it's not until we have a discussion for a little while and they understand that I do have an expertise in this industry that they'll kind of give me that respect. So I see it from that perspective. Um, but it's funny because age is not indicative of intellect or expertise at all, so it shouldn't play in. And then from the looks perspective, um, I think it's sometimes has made people look at like not take me as seriously, yeah. uh, men and women, actually. Um, I was at a party this summer, like one of those advertising, many advertising parties. And uh, I was with Ollie and a man came up to me and was, I I actually never met him before in the industry, but he was kind of drunk and he goes, just be honest. Do you think they gave you this role because you're a hot blonde? And I (laughs) was pretty shocked. I was like, I actually was, my face was, I, I, 
was really shocked by that. And I said, I no, I don't think that's why they gave it to me. I would hope that they gave it to me because I've been covering this a long time. I know, and I know what I'm doing. And, yeah. um, but on the other side, I've like recently, uh, one of my friends in the industry told me that another woman had mentioned to her in a meeting, oh, Lindsay just gets stories because she's pretty. That's the only reason why people give her stories. And it's sad that people judge people like that by looks or by age. Um, but it's, yeah, it definitely does happen. And I just kind of brush it off and keep doing what I'm doing. Well, anybody that knows you knows that, uh, you know, none of that is the case because you're extremely smart. You're extremely connected. Thank you. And, uh, but it, it is interesting to me having been in this business since I was really young <laughs> that the way certain women, and it's not just as a business, but it's what I can speak to the most, the way certain women either choose not to sh- show their feminine side Mm -hmm. because they're afraid of not being taken seriously or the way they present themselves. I think, do you have any advice just from your point of view to somebody who is in the, is, is in their career and they're not exactly sure how they want to present themselves? I think you should just be you. Yeah. Be whatever you are and people will accept that. And if they don't screw them, that's the way it is. Um, I think, when it comes to being women or being feminine, um, even some really hardcore feminists I know that, you know, or you say, you know, don't objectify women or hashtag women, not objects. They'll say you could still be sexy. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you should be objectified just because you want to feel sexy. Um, and people should look at you for who you are on the inside, not by your looks, but I really just say own who you are. That's yeah. it. You be you. That's yeah. what my daughter says. Yes. yes. You be you. <laughs> So just to sort of finish our conversation about women in the industry. So you've seen all these things happen and, and many things change, many things not change. As you said at the beginning, in a lot of ways, it's still a man's industry and you see a lot of progress, but there's still a long way to go. What would you like to see happen that, and be different? I mean, if we just look at the four biggest holding companies right now, they're still run by middle-aged white men. Um, I would love to see that change. Um, and I like all those those men. They're great. But it would be great to see more women leaders across brands and on the agency side in CEO roles, CMO roles, chief creative officer roles. Um, I'm a big believer in see it, be it. So I think that if younger generation, the younger generations, if they see that, they'll be more apt to push forward and see that. Women can do that. And for people of color, diversity, for that matter, too. We need that across the board. Um, And then on the other side of that, uh, I'm not a mother, but I think that paternal leave, uh, I would say not paternal leave, um, parental leave is really Mm -hmm. important because I think that a lot of women drop off after they have children because those programs aren't in place, either better parental leave policies or return to work policies. I think a lot of women I've talked to have said, oh, I have to make a decision between having a family and having children and advancing my career. And that shouldn't even be something that crosses your mind. You should be able to do both if you want to. Um, And then also, I mean, women control, I'd say most of like 80% or more of the household spend and the wealth in America. So it's about time we start running more of the businesses. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, balance. And you, you mentioned balance. I talked about balance earlier. 
Some some women actually hate that word. How do you feel about that word? Does like the word bother balance? you? Yeah. yeah, I'm good with it. <laughs> but you know, I, I think they hate that word because they feel it's something you have to live up to. But yeah. you know, I, I happen to love the word. I'm glad you like it too. But I would think that although you do not have children, you have a very busy job and the kind of job where people are constantly inviting you to social things, wanting to talk with you. A lot of the times I would think that you're getting the best stories are over drinks or dinner or times that real that's cutting into your personal time. And I wonder, I'd love for you to to tell us, are there ways that you make sure to carve out time for yourself so your entire life is not work? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky question because um, I really do love my job. So, And when you love something so much, it doesn't quite feel like work. And I know that sounds cheesy. I am working all the time, as I'm sure you are too. But it is something that I love to do. That being said, I do find time to have my balance. Um, and that would be any all of my colleagues around the world know that I need to work out, even if it's 20 minutes a day of something. I even I that. know. Yes, I, like, <laughs> I need that time. It really helps me de-stress and it gets me in a good place. Um, so whether it's in the morning or on my lunch break or before a drinks meeting, I will do something. Mm-hmm. And I also try to find a few times a week to meditate. Um, I think it helps me, you know, get into that mindfulness state uh, and kind of get rid of all of those external forces in your life for a bit and focus on you. Um, and other than that, I mean, I, this also may sound bad, but I schedule lunches and dinners and adventures with my friends and family ahead of time um, because it is nice to have someone to look forward to. And because I'm busy, you know, my, some of my girlfriends and I have a standing like, girls night once a month because we're mm-hmm. all busy and we look very much forward to having that on the calendar. So you do need outlets outside of work. Um, so, yeah, I'd say it's kind of a balance of doing things that make me happy and then having time for friends and family. So are you one of those people also that is, I mean, and I would think because the your parent company is in a different country and you're dealing with people all in different time zones, are you always on your phone, always checking your phone, or are you able to put it down? I am always checking my phone, uh, except for... Well, I was going to say except for during workouts, but that's not really true. If it's during yoga, (laughs) I'll put it down during yoga Um, because I'm guilty this morning. I was working out in between sets when I was lifting. I'd like go over and get a message from someone. Don't do that. I know. I know. It's bad. And when I'm on vacation, uh, I do try to unplug a bit. Um, My boyfriend's very patient. I do check my phone a lot. I try not to during dinners. That's been one of our rules, uh, which I've been getting better at is to flip the phone over or leave it in the other room during dinner or put it in my purse when we're out just to, you know, have some one-on-one time and have that digital detox, as you call it. Well, do you expect the people that work with you and for you to be looking all the time? No, I don't. Um, I mean, if there's, I I know that they do, like any good journalist really is always on. So I know that, you know, if there's a breaking news story, somebody in one of our seven offices will be on it. Uh, at some point. Um, and there are some people who are similar to uh, to the way I am. Like our publisher is always on his phone and I don't know how he does it. He's probably more on his phone than I am. But I do think it's important um, to give people space. And I tell people if they're on vacation, go on vacation, unplug, don't answer your email, even though I know they won't listen to me because I don't listen to myself when I say I'm not going to do that. But I don't expect that. It's people, you need to unplug. Yeah. You definitely need to unplug. Okay, so I want to just end by asking you a question that I love to hear from 
from people, which is, is there one piece of advice that has helped guide you through your life and career that you can share with us? Definitely. I would say that I like to surround myself with positive energy. And that is in the form of the people I spend time with, the activities I do, my work. I'm a very much glass half full type of person. Um, and I think that that optimism has really helped me through every stage of my life. And whenever I've had any doubts or obstacles in front of me, uh, I really just think that positivity breeds positivity. I agree with you. Well, you know, you've, you've had so many positive things happen and so many more to come, I'm sure. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you.